Thanks for tuning in for this one, locals. Today I sit down with Las Vegas local comedian Adam Dominguez. We discuss how he lost everything important to him these last few years and how he found his voice and strained through it all with comedy. And does he really have autism? Well, let's find out. I, I just woke up, so yeah, this is the most honest I'm going to be. Okay. <laughs> Better than 4 a.m. and drunk, I guess. I mean, no, because you'll still be honest at 4 a.m., <laughs> but then you always wind up adding, like, more additions to it, you know? Yeah. I wish I, wish I could have used that audio, honestly. I think I get I get more prolific. Like in my head, I or in my head, I think I'm more prolific. I wind up saying things like, "Oh wow, that sounded really smart," but then when you ask me to replicate it, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not too good at that. So you'd think the autism would help with that, but you know, it's weird with the with 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 the with the autism stuff, which well, fine, we'll just go into it. Um. Uh, my case in point, I do not, I do not have autism. I don't, I don't think I have a learning disability. If I do have a certain learning disability, it's most of the time that I sometimes can't hear lyrics in songs, right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm more melodic, so I will, I will definitely just kind of, I'll just put sound effects together to make it sound like I know what I'm doing, right? I don't, is that, is that a thing of autism? Probably, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so that, that's about. That's about as far as, like, my brain will get me. So, like, side note, when I got into, like, rap and hip-hop and, and uh, started listening to some of my favorite lyricists and stuff, it's like, man, I love these songs, but I never knew what anybody was saying ever, but I would always play it. So, be playing It Was a Good Day by Ice Cube, and I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, okay, today is a good day. And so. And you just like the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been. Um, um, I, I was a percussionist. Uh, I was a drummer, and then percussionist, and then I played concert timpani uh, growing <laughs> up. So definitely musically inclined. But but the weird part about that is that like my I I don't have autism. I think I connect well with people with learning disabilities uh, because my mom um <laughs> uh, i was about to say my mom has a learning disability i know she my mom <laughs> my mom used to uh in middle school used to run a uh uh like an activities class uh for the city um at the multi-purpose center off of iCount right oh. yeah yeah so like she used to do like arts and crafts and then she used to teach them water aerobics and then and it was either people who were diagnosed with strong learning disabilities or depending on. And then she had other classes where they were genuinely, uh, you know, they, they had uh, either Down syndrome or they had uh, uh, something. Like that. a developmentally yeah. mental disorder. So, you know, I was hanging out with, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old people who had you know, the learning capabilities of, like, an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of learn tolerance really fast, like, growing up like that. Plus, like, one of my favorite books is, like, Freak the Mighty. Right? <laughs> I love that book. 
I don't uh, know that book. You never read, never read that book? <laughs> Maybe. I, I, never I read that book in, in elementary school. What's it about? Um, it's about a little boy uh, who befriends kind of like this, you know, giant kid. Okay. Right? And uh, rides on his shoulders everywhere. It's, it's a really, really heartwarming tale. <laughs> um, Were you that little boy? I don't know. I had a bowl cut growing up, so <laughs> I was used to getting picked on. I was used to getting bullied. <laughs> Um, I've seen I've seen some of those those childhood pictures. Mm-hmm. Definitely a performer always. I wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> you know what it was is just I spend most of my time. Um. Okay. In sixth grade, I got into like, you know, playing in like an elementary school band, right. And I learned how to read music early. So, on top of learning how to read music, I learned how to sight read and uh, play by ear, right? So, like, I can hear a tune, and I can fuck around with something, and I'll find out the notes, and I'll learn how to play, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then, um... Side note, that's... Is that a little uh, autistic? Yeah. It's a little autistic? All right. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm gonna bring up a quiz at some point here, okay. so we're gonna we're gonna find out for sure. So, <laughs> so hopefully you find the right quiz because I have quizzed myself. <laughs> um. So like I ended up uh uh, you know, going with that, but then I wound up having like all the friends, all my friends who you know, I was growing up with were all super, um, you know, Valley Victorians, and they were. You know, everybody, every one of the people that I graduated with wanted to get, like, a scholarship to, like, a, you know, major uh, university or college or manager to get them to travel abroad, and I didn't get that. Um, Why do you think that was? Uh, was I, I act out. I mean, comedy, the fact that I got into it is kind of a little bit of a rebellion, you know? Um, so I act out. Um I constantly felt like, like the reason I got into the, the band in the first place was because my sister, my older sister, did it. You know, the reason I got into theater and I got into acting because my other sister did it. You know, I was just kind of copying what they were doing, and I saw how much they loved it, and then I tried to, you know, try to do something like that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to find anything that I genuinely liked because the things that I genuinely liked was like. You know, at the time, playing my Sega Genesis or my Super Nintendo, you know, and and I could only relate that with my younger brother, mm. you know, and so having to be able to expand your circle that way isn't is rough, uh, especially considering that back in those days you had to go over to somebody's house to play, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I made my friends, you know. Um, uh, Geo and all of them, you know, I talk about them a lot in my set too, and so it just kind of turned into like all these weird kids, who you know, this kid who really liked drawing Dragon Ball Z characters, and then me, who I liked coming up with uh, with different Mortal Kombat fatalities. Like, <laughs> like it may have sounded violent, and it might have if anybody would have found those drawings. They would have been like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, no, no, there's like a level of creativity here. If only you had been friends with Gutex back then. You know, it's weird because it's like, I don't, 
I mean, Gutex, he, I mean, yeah, you've done the episode with him and everything. Like, it wasn't up until this kind of modern age where being a geek or a nerd became, like, popular. Mm-hmm. Like, like super acceptable and but, like, there's almost a, a fad. Yeah, and it, but there's a lot of people there who have no idea... And I mean, we're gonna we're gonna sit there and we're gonna complain. We're gonna be like, "Oh my god, it's just so fucking terrible!" Like, um, but it was. It was like you know, even even the cholos that I grew up with, um, you know, they all had a video game system, but they only played like one or two games. Mm-hmm. Me, I was I was like vehemently about about it. Like I had, you know, every time my dad got a paycheck once a month. He bought us a brand new video game. My brother and I had a brand new video game. And and we were frequents at, at Blockbuster Video and um Which Aladdin's one? Aladdin. We used to go to the one off of Yarbrough. Oh my gosh. Because they're lower. You're Valley. probably the reason Yoshi was never available. Well, that's the thing. So at that <laughs> time I never I never rented it because my sister or my sister, my cousins <laughs> had the Nintendo systems. I had all the other ones. So oh, I had okay. a second Genesis. Right, we got a PlayStation. My cousins never got a PlayStation, and we saw our cousins like every weekend. So we'd all get together, you know, and we whatever we'd bring in all our systems. We'd be carrying bags yeah. of everything to my grandmother's house, and we'd be all setting up. We knew audio visual setups, you know, well, you know, in our preteens. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to, you know, rig a video system to be like, okay, we're gonna have this play on a projector. Okay, cool. I know how to do this. Okay, cool. I'm not a troubleshoot that. All these things came from that geekery, mm-hmm. you know. I remember when Goldeneye came out. <laughs> um, um, and my cousins and my brother will fact check this. Um, my parents went out and they were so supportive of it to an extent <laughs> that they bought us all like hand notepads and pens and stuff, and then we all started buying like spy gear, right? <laughs> And then we started, like, wandering up and down, like, the neighborhoods of, like, Isleta High School, right? <laughs> like, pretending to be spies. And then when we got tired, we'd go back home, and then we'd play Goldeneye. Oh, my God. Like, we were really, 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 really... We would, like, document neighbor's dog started barking at, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that movie, Harriet the Spy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I used to do the same thing. Michelle Track, yeah. Oh. I used to. I had my own like raincoat. I had a typewriter that I would steal from my dad's office, and I would spy on my neighbors. <laughs> Don't you think? Isn't that weird? How like? Do you think it's because we got older that we're more able to admit it and be like, "Haha, that's so strange," or because it's more accepting, right? I've never seen Dungeons hmm. and Dragons in closer to like the main forum of geekery mm-hmm. you know of pop culture geekery mm-hmm. um than i ever have i mean i yeah my my dad actually no it was my so it was a family member gave me a box i'll never forget it it was like a long like like a shoe box that was like times two you know long and everything like that and when i opened it up it was a bunch of paper and it was a bunch of uh uh Spider-Man figures of every character, right? All the different Spider-Man or the, so, the it, characters so from Spider-Man? Spider-Man, I had Dr. Octopus, oh, I had nice. a Scorpion, I had a Venom, I had a Black Cat, right? And uh, I had all that. If you came into my room, my parents bought me twine, and I put 
intertwine all over the walls and everything to make it look like spider webs and stuff, right? And then I'd, I'd have Spider-Man's hands. I'd tie his hands so it looked like it was an action sequence every time he came into my room. Um, Just naturally creative. Was that an autistic thing? It could be. I don't know. It could be. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Would you hyper-focus on the video game? Uh, Yeah. I'd also get really emotional. Like, I'd get... <laughs> I, I remember Batman Revenge of the Joker. I feel like being like... Here's your sign. <laughs> all these different. I'd get, I get mad emotional. I remember crying and being all like, "Fuck this game!" <laughs> and I mean, I wouldn't cuss. I was, I was actually way more upright. Like, why, why, why did God put me down here to feel pain? So okay, so a lot of what I've been talking about with people in general that I'm interviewing is just this last year. And talking to you at different times, I've gotten bits and pieces, but I really want to kind of understand where were you mentally, like, March of last year, like, right as the pandemic started and then kind of through the pandemic? Because so, you lost a lot of work. Uh, so I lost a lot. Um, uh, my pandemic didn't start, actually started earlier than that. Because um, due to some dramatics, which is well documented in other podcasts, I'll lightly touch on it without having to open up that minefield. But the October prior in um, 2019, um, I wound up, uh, I lost my business, um, a hazardous humor name, um, Due to some really, really just shady business practices from some of my employees, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, uh, I lost that. At the same time, I was going through a, like relationship issues, like that really, really bogged me down. Um, I, it was one of those I was dating somebody, but I was also in love with somebody else, and then and then just tried to like clean the slate and. Definitely tried to clean the slate and then showed up too late. And then the girl that I was actually in love with started dating somebody else. Hmm. And, uh, uh movie. yeah, I flew to El Paso to go surprise her. What? And then I uh, wound up watching her go into a car with a guy. And they didn't leave that car for a while. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was a tough, it was a real, real tough time. Yeah. Um, and uh, had a split with a girl that I was dating who, ironically enough, like, even though emotionally we weren't there, she was still a really good friend, you know? So I kind of distanced her. And I distanced, you know, the girl that I, I was was badly with and then lost the company, um, which was paying my bills. Um, I was... Uh, I had to move out of the house that I had just moved into. What was that company? The, the hazardous humor what, what um, last hours. Do? So I used to oh, <laughs> ask about me. Um, uh, several years ago, when I first started doing stand-up comedy, um, I was banned by a specific comedian to perform at his venues. He's still performing now. Jerry and I are cool now, I guess. But he banned me for being too vulgar. Mm. So I took it upon myself, and I bought a speaker, bought a mic. I've been a bar fly my entire life, so I had a lot of bar connections. Um, wound up starting off in a hookah lounge 
and we just started throwing open mics. And they were always packed because I always had a lot of friends, and a lot of them would just hang out and watch, want to hear me tell stories of like all of us getting drunk. They just wanted to hear it on a microphone. Mm. You know, it was things we did anyway. Mm-hmm. But then I would also invite, you know, other friends, dump on the mic, and then they would do that. And then it started getting the notice of a lot of the stand-up comics that you know now, like Jipsod, uh, uh, um, Jerry Carnes would come around out of there, Rafael Molina, Israel Garcia. They started showing yeah. up to these shows, and we were just kind of just get fucked up and, and do these. Then they started inviting me out more. So I started creating, at the same time I was managing hotels, like I was a manager at a, at a Super 8 hotel, right? And we were planning on franchising off, and I was going to start taking over more and more properties. But also at the same time, I started picking up more bars and venues mm. that were making money off of us. And uh, picked up other venues like Mavericks on James Watt. I used to throw monthly mm. shows out of there. Um, I brought up the Bayou. I bring it up in my story where that's where I got stand on stage. Um, uh, the Dark Room, uh, Rest in Soul. Um, I, I had so many venues that we were, you know, I started juggling around. And I would literally go in, throw the show. I'd be there at like 7 o'clock, throw the show at like 8 or 9, right? Try to wrap up by midnight drive to my midnight work I, I changed my shift so I wasn't managing more I mean I still was but now I was working night audit mm. you know the night audit hours so I'd come in at like midnight stay till 8am crash out during the day and then I did that every fucking day yeah. um and then we wound up uh uh so that was in El Paso I was during some then during some uh crazy politics with uh with a few comedians um, there wound up being a huge divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, El Paso comedy has been, it had always been a little bit more gangland than a lot of other towns have been. Uh, so they kind of drew a line where they said, all right, you're either going to be with the brand new refried comedy or you're going to be with the El Paso comic strip. Mm-hmm. And they kind of defined your lines where you mm-hmm. had to go. You know, you couldn't really work both unless you kept your mouth shut. And because I was a producer of shows, it made it really tough for me. So I wound up teaming up with Jibsod for years when we wound up um Jibs is funny. We we had the agreement of he had Laughter Hours Comedy, which used to be Sun City Comedy. Had Laughter Hours Comedy and then I was gonna bring in Hazardous um with it and my only stipulation was as long as I don't lose the hazardous name. I don't want it to be assimilated. I want it to be it's still its own thing. I'm gonna hang on to that and he was like, Yeah, sure. So then that's when we started branching out to doing trivia nights, uh courtesy of uh, Monica Pulley at Clicks. We started off at Clicks. Oh. Uh, and we used to do the outside patio in Clicks. So we used to, and that got so big that we couldn't do it in the patio anymore because it just was a fire hazard. So we wound up moving out to different bars. So we started going across and, and across the street. We started doing open mics. We started doing trivia. We started doing karaoke, right? I started learning how to do all these other things in there. Uh, I wound up getting tapped into doing uh, bingo, Mondays, which were all comedy based, right? We all oh, made sure yeah. that they were comedically centered. I wanna, I wanna go play bingo with comedians. I, mean, I was every Monday at Prickly Elder. I ran that for wow. a very long time. Wow, that's a small little. I, you should. I, I threw a quinceanera there for myself. <laughs> um, it was. People will tell you. I, I was. I was. Uh, someone slapped me with a microphone. There's a. There's a. Uh, I used to keep it on my website. Um, a review, a one-star review 
of a girl who cussed me out um, because I had made a joke in her general direction. It wasn't really about her. Mm -hmm. It was a joke in her general direction. And uh, that night, uh, I wanted to get into a fight. <laughs> so, um, but I started running everything. So um, it got, wasn't long before El Paso Live started tapping me in to like hosting festivals. So I was hosting the Sun City Craft Beer Festival. We hosted Bacon oh. Fest. Um, and that was me doing, like, stand-up, and then I would introduce or do everything. Wound up popping in at El Paso Comic-Con a few times. Um, uh, Las Cruces Gaming Con, I did, I mean, we, it started blowing up into a wow. thing. The thing is, is that, like, the day-to-day, -day, it was, like, Monday bingo. Tuesday trivia at Funk Myers. Wednesday karaoke at Jack's Beach House. Thursday pine and peanut. Friday, I was in the Northeast at Suds, and it was just, I was on the mic every fucking day. Mm -hmm. And when I could get a break to go break out and do open mic comedy, or I would try to go do out a show or any of that stuff, venues started getting mad because they were like, well, your replacements aren't as good as you are. And it started, and it wasn't like to blow up my ego. I was genuinely trying to get people to take over for me because I was burning out. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of that was paying. You know, on top of what I was paying my employees to work, we wound up starting to do, like, up to about four or five events a night. Oh, man. And so we started branching out teams. We used to have a laughter hours office in Central where, you know, specific, you know, members would have keys over there. They would go up there, pick up speakers, pick up cables, pick up mics. Wow. And then go run your event. Wow. That's and, awesome. Yeah. We were extremely organized. But once I started, just I just got tired. Mm -hmm. I just got really burnt out. Yeah. Um, so that was paying, that was paying all my bills, you know, being on a microphone and my talent of being able to entertain a crowd on a microphone was paying all my bills. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I even made an emotional post once about how I could bought Christmas gifts for like the first time, mm. you know, and I never stopped. Like I didn't have a chance to, mm. I never, I never ever had a chance to, um, so after a few relationships and a few moving houses and everything, we decided to keep the hazardous thing going. Uh, after I moved here to Vegas, we had found you know, a group of teams who were still going to keep working on it. So that involving um, Kermit, uh, Eddie Palomo, um, um, my brother, and um, uh, uh, Fabian. Tonto, um, and, and a bunch of others. And they were running my events for me. And for the most part, most people were happy. Um, my brother, on the other hand, kind of like usurped everything <laughs> and then kind of figured that he could run it on his own. So he bought his own equipment and then went to all my venues and then charged them less. <laughs> and then I lost everything uh, in October. Very, how very Mexican of him. Yeah, but I get it. Like he's always he's always struggled, and so at first I was really upset. That's Sam. Yeah, yeah, I met him. So so, I, Rubik. I, yeah, Rubik's was one of mine. Well, Rubik's was. I a, love Rubik's. Rubik's was a was a, I had that one every Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday inside Rubik's, Thursday inside Bueller's, and then uh, once a month on the Saturday I would throw a comedy show. Oh, fine. Right, and then we'd have karaoke afterwards. All right, so. I, I had that and, you know, doing everything solo. Like I had just 
teams who would just kind of go in there and fill the spots, but mm-hmm. doing everything behind the scenes by myself has burnt me out. Yeah. So, you know, I knew he needed, he was struggling um, financially at the time. So, I mean, I kind of came to peace with it. So when you ask, like, what happened with March, I had just moved into this apartment oh. in January. Okay. Um, I was living with a YouTube content creator. Uh, uh, named Yellow Paco, <laughs> who um, was a content creator for Niga Higa, for Ryan Higa, hmm. right? And he's the one who got me into, like, uh, you know, start streaming, start creating online content, start doing, you know. Um, he'd be like, bro, uh, uh, Paco, if you're, I don't know, like, um, we had agreed that we were going to pay my first three months rent. Um was just going to be paid in getting him to be funny. <laughs> and I took him on the road with me a couple times. And, uh, I mean, first, at first, he was he was this little try-hard comic. He tried really, really hard to make things work, and it really wasn't super great. And then after literally every morning, he'd walk up to my door, knock on my door, be like, hey, I got a premise. And I'd be like, all right, hold on. <laughs> and then I would come over here. I'd stand by right here. I'd make cups of coffee and then he would just sit on the couch and then he'd be like okay what about this and then he would just pitch things to me and I would tell him like that's too redundant that's too wordy you have to punch that one up you know we got him to a point where um when I took him on the road with me the last time um motherfucker crushed really he just demolished a room I took him with me to Glendale Arizona Oh, nice. During during COVID times, so like the oh, crowd God. was very spread out and everything. Where in Glendale? Uh, it's the Desert Rose Steakhouse. Um, but he, I think you went on this random tangent of oh, you fucking city with two first names, right? And it was just, it just that was <laughs> that watching the crowd just fucking double over, <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of made me think to myself like, like all right. You know, we're at a, I'm at a point with him where I can, uh, you know, my, my three months, my three months of paying rent, of not paying rent, because to make him funnier, like, I feel like I kept up to my deal. <laughs> and then right as soon as everything was about to happen, March, the third month, and then we got hit with quarantine. Yeah. So, this turned into like a strained so what did you do for income at that point so at that time um i started uh editing and uh, i was editing podcasts for a few comedians um most notably linda marcus smith so yeah she told me that yeah um so i was editing um every one of her podcasts i was uploading i was managing social media for her she's paying me so much and everything um she's she's a fucking workhorse like she was she was doing stuff like she was she was doing at least you know four or five interviews a day yeah she's still doing that yeah and and then she would ask me to like edit them up and then have them available like the next day and i don't have the sufficient equipment to keep up with that mm-hmm. and she was patient with me and she you know she paid me but every day i was always backlogged yeah. you know i was always like okay 
um, you know, with with our internet speeds up here and everything, it's just it's just brutal. Yeah. And then at that time, that's when Paco got me into like, hey, start live streaming. Mm. Oh well, he knew. Yeah. So we started live streaming. Um, I would be a special guest on his. Like I started off with small crowds. I started learning how to multi-stream on Facebook and, and Twitch. And we started off with small crowds. And what wound up, uh, 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 I, would, I would appear on his, and he already had, you know, uh, several hundred, you know, thousand followers who, was, who had followed him onto Twitch. You know, his YouTube followers is way bigger. Wow. But he was doing, like, Apex Legends and, some League of Legends gaming stuff, and then he would do, like, some personal content of, like, you know, the time he got cheated on, and he would start talking. So he taught me how to get into it. I started fiddling around with it, started doing it, wound up getting, like, a pretty good fan base, and then I started throwing my Cash App and Venmo Mm -hmm. on the bottom, and then people just, you know, started donating and subscribing. And awesome. my numbers, if you look, not big, but the followers I did have were so supportive that, you know, I started streaming every other day, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then I'd spend the off days uploading, you know, Linda's podcast. And then the other days I would just sit there and I'd chain smoke through like a pack of cigarettes and like a 12 pack of beers, just talk shit. <laughs> And and people kept me on. I wound up meeting a lot of really good friends off of people just stumbling upon my shit. Um, people who still follow me to this day. And um it's kind of the it's it's literally the the one thing that I wish I could just get back into doing if I could free up my nights a little bit more. The consistent just, just to be able to con- be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. I would I would give I'd give a lot to be able to come back to streaming. Yeah. So. Well, so how, I mean, I'm assuming you had to adapt your comedy. How would you say that, how much has your comedy changed in the last year? Well, before, um, it used to be like, hey, isn't it weird when you see this? Isn't it strange? You know, and uh, I, I was really more observational, mm-hmm. but the live streams got me into just like telling true stories, things I didn't have to like remember a script for mm-hmm. because I lived it. And I would just tell these stories that, that were so true and I knew how to punch them up on the spot. I knew how to, how to make my tags on the spot. And... um it got to the point where um, I just felt comfortable. Like, I, I feel like within that quarantine and the live stream and the, the Twitch and Facebook uh, uh, multi-stream stuff, I had found my voice, like, what I wanted to sound like. So, awesome. yeah, it'll always sound like it's always super drawn out, but trust me, it has a point at the end. Just stick <laughs> with me, you know? So when did you start the autism bit? So... It had been something that I had brought up on stream, and I'm gonna call him out because I love him. I love him, but it didn't become so prevalent until I met him. But um, Christopher Waldeck, 
Okay. Uh, was my old roommate when I was living at that old house. <laughs> and, and you meet him. And when I say there's not something wrong with him, he's just different. He's extremely different. He's a character, right? He's, he's, he's definitely a character. He's somebody that, that no matter what, whether he means to or not, will make me laugh. He doesn't even have to say anything. He, he can just, just stand just there. Stand there. And it's literally <laughs> the funniest thing. And this is like, like if we were talking about it, like if this is an act, like this is like Andy Kaufman-esque right. <laughs> of like, of like committed to this fucking role. <laughs> right? Um, we YouTubed him. We YouTubed him once. And there's like a video of him like running for governor. What? In Florida. And it is... <laughs> It is the funniest fucking thing. And, I need to see that. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, we started inviting him to podcasts so he would come with us, right? He'd just say things that were so left field that it just, like, my brain would break uh, uh, thinking about how he got from point A to point B. Like, how did you get to this point? And he's just all like, I don't know. And they're like, okay. Um... And, and, um, he really, he really, really wants to be, you know, like organically funny and, and like he is, but he doesn't know how to like, I guess, weaponize that. So that's where the term, when I started saying it, I'm like, oh, we need to weaponize your autism, you know? <laughs> and then he used to, he would always say like, I'm not autistic. And we're like, oh, come on, dude, come on. Like, <laughs> and then it, it turned into a thing. And yeah, I know it's fucked up because we're not never ever bringing it up as like a negative. Right. We're just saying like. Hey, if you know what platform you're on, you know where you can jump off of, you know? Uh, uh, what? I'm not depressed. I just try to kill myself. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, come on, dude. So. Wait, can you just tell me that story about. I've got so many stories. The one of him looking through the window. Um, Waldeck. Uh, so I got pulled over when we were living together. I got pulled over in front of my house for a busted taillight. I drove a PT Cruiser that wasn't working. Like, nothing mechanically worked. Like, it drove, right? But, like, the windows didn't come down, mm. you know? So um, when I got pulled over, I got pulled over right across from my house. I have to, I have to make a U-turn to pull into my house. So I mm. pulled over to the side, and the cop pulled me over immediately. And then he... Jumped on his intercom because he noticed that I didn't roll down my window. And he jumps on his intercom and he's all like, I need you to roll down your window. And I opened my door and I said, my window doesn't work. You're going to have to get it from here. So the cop like cautiously walks up. Right. Because we're not, we're not living in like a, like the nicest of places, you know. Okay. And cautiously walks up. And I hand him my paperwork. And he's like, oh, the reason I pulled you over is you got a busted taillight. Um, and I said, officer, I live right there. And I pointed at the house mm-hmm. and the cop turns around and he looks and in the main window, there's the, dro- the, the blinds are pulled completely open and you see a full naked Chris Waldeck, except for some red, I, they're, they're tidy whities, but they're red, <laughs> they were red. Right. And, and, and he's just staring out and the cop. <laughs> Is like, what the fuck? And, and he cop looks at me, he's like, is that, do you know that guy? And I'm like, yeah, that's my roommate, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I've started apologizing. <laughs> and he's all like, okay, well, uh, get it fixed. And he gives me my shit, and he's like, I'll let you off in the morning. And I was like, okay. 
And I made the U-turn. I get out of the car. I walk in. And I'm like, Chris, what the fuck? And he's all like, what? And I was like, why do you have the window open? And he said, I heard somebody just say to roll down the window. And I'm like, you're in a house. How's it? Did he have his mustache? Yeah. He's always had his mustache. He's always... He was born with that thing. Yeah. He, he, he would listen to me sometimes have like girls over. And then and if, in case I ever needed the ego boost, right? Of how well I did, he would tell me in the morning. <laughs> um, like he would, he would wake up, and I'd be like in the living room, like making coffee, hanging out with the other roommates, and then he'd come in there being like, "Oh, Adam was was doing thing with a girl. Oh my god, <laughs> like she was loud. Oh my god, Adam. Oh my god." And I was like, "What the fuck are you doing right now?" It got to the point that he started throwing me into his set. Oh god! So he would bring up like. When people ask, like, who brings the most girls over, I always have to be like, Adam, Adam, for sure. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Are you cock blocking me in your set? And you know he doesn't, he's not intentionally right. meaning it. It's just it doesn't click with him. Yeah. And so he'll be like, yeah, Adam, Adam brings home, like, the most girls. Like, I don't even know if he remembers their names or whatever. And I'm like, fuck is wrong with you so he inspired the autism like it it ended up being like i said more prevalent then after getting to know him and it became like a like a running thing that we used to like throw around with each other you know we used to throw it around with chris used to throw it around with kool-aid just throw it around with all of us and then it started turning into like like that not that that became like the insult but that became like like the the character descriptor you Mm -hmm. know of all like, uh, like oh what are you maybe autistic right now chill dude like oh come on you know and whereas we thought you know ended up being funny and then it started on the live stream when I started bringing Waldeck onto my live streams you know people started describing what autism was and then it started jogging my memory of back when I stated, dated this girl in my 20s and she had told me that her son was autistic. And then it just started connecting the dots oh for me. Oh, my gosh. And then I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, how have I gone my entire life without knowing what this is? <laughs> and I've just been calling people this, like, pointing this out and being you know, like, like, someone would trip over their shoelaces. I'm like, oh, this autistic asshole over here, right? Like, not knowing. But in a weird way, it, it kind of became funnier that I was wrong. Ignoring Adam. Yeah. It was like, you know, whenever whenever any song comes on, and I'm like, my favorite Paramore song, (laughs) right? And people are like, isn't Paramore? But it was funny because it was wrong. (laughs) So. Well, I think that bit, it's great. And you, I love that you, um, you threw in part of that in your special. That was awesome. Aren't they all special? (laughs) So now you're recording comedy specials. Well, I mean, or I guess you recorded them before, but no, I mean this. This is my first uh, on tape one. <laughs> it was my first on tape one. Um, so uh, that I've ever done for like a network, you know. And Amazon Prime trusts you know Laugh After Dark people to be all right. Bring us your comics, and then when I got selected, it was like. It's weird because I guess the way my career has gone this far, 
I have to be the guy in the back who has to be like, are you sure? <laughs> like, no, for reals. Are you sure? Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your typical, like. Well, clean comedian, for sure. Definitely. I mean, I can do clean, but it's, it's not, I mean, you are getting a neutered version of me. Yeah. You know, and if I figured that if I'm going to sell tickets, I want you to come out and like me for me. Yeah. You know, and uh, if that pans out, then cool, man. I'll get you for fan for life, man. You know, it's, it's there's no there's no shortage of, yeah. of crazy events and stories. Yeah. And yeah, worldview that I've managed to get. Yeah. When you said that you had mentioned um, the other night, how when you had announced that you were going to be doing your taping that you got a lot of people kind of like chiming in and wanting to give you advice and you know i think support you you know they want you to succeed obviously i think i think when it comes to that like i had a lot of um being from where we're from in el paso like i mean you we 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 only know it off of our perspective because that's where we're from and there's like a weird equal amount of support and equal amount of kill this fucking guy you know Mm -hmm. and so shit i mean every entertainer that i know growing up especially when it it came to comedians if i said hey i'm a comedian now everybody thought i was fucking george lopez Everybody thought that I was I was a Pablo Francisco type. They they kind of already put me mm-hmm. in these holes and stuff, and then they would tell me how to do it. Yeah, even though they've never done it before in their lives. So I started getting bombarded with messages, and then I started getting bombarded. This was, I guess, the more helpful thing where I would get people who are like, like, oh, you should tell that story about the time you and I did blah 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 blah, and it's all like, that's nah, cool, <laughs> you know. I think one of the ones that got me was somebody messaged me and said, um, you're going to do your entire time talking about El Paso? And I said, no. And I said, oh, so you think you're so fucking big for it? <laughs> like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't rep it. Right? And it was like, like, why? <laughs> like, why? Hey, guys, I love my hometown. Um... I don't have to wear yeah. everything all the time yeah. to have to fucking prove that. Mm-hmm. You know, I did, uh, I'll let you know, I did, I did two or three things that were my little homage um, to town. Um, one of which I'll reveal, um, I slapped my chest a bunch of times, and that's a, it's an Eddie Guerrero thing, mm. right? Um, because I was a big fan. So I did that for, like, that was my little, like, that was for Eddie, you know? That's cool. So, um, yeah, it, 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 I can do little things like that and then still maintain being myself. Mm-hmm. My hometown is not me. Yeah. I am not my hometown. Well, and I mean, you've lived in Vegas now, what, three, how long? Three years. Yeah, three years. so. But even then, like, Vegas is not me. Like, I love being here. This has provided me with a lot of opportunities and worldview like i said in perspective mm-hmm. um and i've managed to meet so many other people here but we're just passing through 
you know, like yeah. I'd rather keep moving and keep moving and keep traveling and keep experiencing new places. I love, I love Colorado Springs. I love it. Every time I go by and visit, I love Colorado Springs, you know, um, um, I love, uh, uh, you know, I like, I like, I like San Marcos, Texas. Is that mm. weird? Like, I like that place. I love Marfa. I love going to Marfa, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, I, I absolutely love going to Phoenix, you know? I, I like going to Phoenix, you know? Um, I, I like going to, like, NorCal, you know? Um, what does that mean? It's like, oh, man, fucking represent your NorCal, blah, 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 blah. I love the support I get from my hometown. They're yeah. everything. They got me started, right? But even though they got me started, now I got to focus on what keeps me going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, El Paso. I mean, it only has so much opportunity, but it's a good starting point for a lot of things. Well, I mean, even our community college motto is uh, like it's the best place to start. We <laughs> never talk about finishing. We <laughs> never talk about finishing. So, what's something? Be There's been a lot of new comics, like a lot that have come out of quarantine and you're kind of you know you're a seasoned comic in the scene now and a lot of people kind of look up to you and turn to you for advice um what's something you are trying to or hope to contribute to the comedy scene here or wherever you're at no matter where i've been at and wherever I go, I always, I'm not stingy with the mic. I'll always pass the mic, you know. If I'm in a specific scene, if I've been doing something like that, I will always find an opportunity for you to take the mic and do what you do, right? Um, the reason why I did Hazardous Humor, and we had all those open mics, I like to just, I was hosting the shows. I didn't headline myself every time, mm -hmm. you know. I, I put myself up early, you know, hey, what's up? Okay, cool, whoa, 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 right? Here's the next day, right? I always wanted to showcase off, here are my funny friends, here are the people who, who, who make me laugh, mm -hmm. right? Um, because I, I think once we talk about El Paso the way it is, because that did shape the way I look at all of this, is that, People will go up there and they always do the fucking ah, you know, ah, it's fucking whatever, bro. So you think you're the shit now, bro. Fucking, you think you just go up on stage and shit. But then when I wind up making it into a job, if I turn around and be like, hey, motherfucker, I'm gonna pay you 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Go up there for 10, 15 minutes and entertain my crowd. I'm gonna pay you 50 bucks. Do the full time. Mm -hmm. For some odd reason, that kind of gives them a reason. Yeah. To be like, hey, okay, okay, no, then this has to be good. Mm -hmm. And it makes you try to be better yourself. I hate to use money as the enticement. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't really have that. But now that I do and I can do that a little bit, I will help. Now that I'm in Vegas, what do I do? Just, I'm fucking up to my ears and shows that I'm getting off the ground and producing and stuff. And, and, and not even just comedy shows. I'm doing, we did a fucking dick writing competition. <laughs> right? That was real. So I'd rather turn around. Okay, cool. The spotlight's on you. I'd rather, I'd rather be a part of something bigger. And if, if I'm the fucking cog that kind of helps perpetuate things, then cool. Yeah. You know? Um, 
there's this 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 scene and this job and this life is too big for just me and my ego mm-hmm. you know yeah so if if i can honestly my big dream the biggest dream that i had it'll take some time but i wanted to create a a uh performance studio uh in el paso kind of like how um i thought you were gonna tell me that you wanted to start a game show no i mean i could do that too (laughs) but i wanted to do like you walk in and if you were a band and you're looking for like a practice space you know i've got a couple rooms that you can go practice space in um if uh you know you just want to have like a little bar lounge right have it in the front i would help perpetuate sales you know come in there um, that little bar lounge will have a small stage so you can do smaller scale shows, right? Um, if you're an artist, you know, have another location for you so you could just chill, pop in music, right? Fucking chill out, set mm-hmm. the lighting to whatever it is you need it to be. If you're into photography, cool. I'll have the lighting and everything else there for you. You could do whatever yeah. photo shoots you want there. I have a bunch of laptops and computers, you know, so you can go over there and edit if you need to because I know it's not really abundant. Mm hmm. You know, uh, we're not really, we're, we're a poverty city, you know? And then I wanted to have like an entire like Tricky Falls level stage so we could throw big shows, you know? That'd be awesome. Like I, that was, that was my dream. That's been my dream for like forever, you know? And, and just have it come in there because look how, look how much we champion like Khalid for coming out Mm -hmm. at the drive-in. And he's not even really from. But even then, the fact that he reps it better mm-hmm. than most. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, what's the face? Aaron Jones, the fucking Packers. Mm. You know, goes over there and you just give the shout out and look how much we're like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. You know. And the weird part is, is there's a lot of people there in El Paso who won't do that themselves. It's so the the culture there is so rich. Yeah. That. Having an ego there, the best ego you should have from over there is the fact that you should be able to call out what's good. Mm. That's that's pretty. Yeah. That's that's fucking. That's art. That's that's that. Yeah. And that's it. I used to be real real big on like the biggest lesson I think comedians should learn at a younger level is to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now in the phase where I think that for a comedian to get better. Just have to listen. Mm-hmm. Every comedian, every critique of comedians are just waiting to talk. Mm-hmm. They're waiting to get your thing. Mm-hmm. You should be listening and absorbing the room. I can take in, taking in everything and start being able to, you know, be a gunslinger with your shit. Mm-hmm. This is going to come out here. Okay, boom. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to diffuse that if that comes over there. I know how to be nice about it and how to be mean about it. Right. You learn how to kind of unlock your brain to be able to deal with things coming your way, you know? Um, And I think too many comics are so fixated on the script of what they're going to say and how they're going to say it and the way they're going to go about it Mm -hmm. that it, you're not present. Mm -hmm. You're not there with them. Right. You know? Especially in like a bar setting. If you're still performing in the bar setting, right? Be be present with them. Yeah, I agree. I've noticed that 
all the comedy shows here, El Paso, everywhere, um, like the open mics specifically, all the comedians are in the back. And most of the time they're not even paying attention or they're talking. And like I went to um, Mike Tran's new open mic the other night and I was sitting in the back with all the comedians and I couldn't hear anyone's sets. And so luckily last night I got to see a lot of the same ones and actually sit up front and hear them. But I just, I was sitting there and I noticed that and I was thinking like, if that were me, I, especially because there was an actual crowd of people, you know, I'd be wanting to like, I'd be studying the people, all the comics, what they're saying. So you can, like you said, bring everyone present and into the now and it not just be a, you know, let me practice my bit. Yeah, because I think that's whatever scene you're coming in from, that's kind of what you think an open mic is, right? Um, where I think comedians feel like it's a moment of pride. Like, I don't want to laugh at other comedians' jokes. Right. Like, um, and, and first off, fuck those guys. Right. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. When I first got started, I was the guy who went outside and had a cigarette before I went up on stage. Mm-hmm. And well, it, it took me away from what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the equivalent of like, of like every comedian starting off the show with or starting off their set with oh Paso, how you guys doing yeah hey what's up guys hey hey guys make some noise for yourself <laughs> it's just like shut the fuck up just get into it <laughs> right yeah like why are you wasting my time yeah right i'm gonna get tired I'll, how about you let me organically applaud yeah how about you let me organically laugh yeah you know Stop asking me how I'm doing. Stop that. Leave that to the host. You get up there, you fucking, you, you, you start talking. <laughs> well, you're a natural at that. I've enjoyed, I mean, I've been seeing you perform since March, so a couple months now. And even I've seen, you know, just the development and little changes you've made. And Well, you just don't stay married to your stuff. You know, I'm a, I'm a material polygamist. <laughs> so I'm more of a whole entire like uh, today I'm gonna be this guy and today I might be that guy, and 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 no matter what it's I'm gonna be designed to make crowd laugh. Yeah, you know, because that's just who you are wherever you're at. Don't catch me off kilter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's try this real quick before we finish. I want to do this autism quiz with you. We can settle this once and for all. All right. So question one. I prefer to do things on my own rather than with others. Would you agree? See where this is leading. (laughs) Definitely agree or slightly agree. I'll say slightly agree. Okay. All right, I prefer doing things the same way, for instance, my morning routine or trip to the supermarket. Yeah, um, disagree. Okay. I notice very small changes in a person's appearance. Wait, say it again? I notice very small changes in a person's appearance. Agree. 
When I was young, I used to play lots of let's pretend or imaginary games. Yeah, like like you already clicked it before I even said anything. (laughs) I like collecting information about things I am interested in. Agree. I like meeting new people. Agree. (laughs) People close to me say I talk about the same things repeatedly. Kinda. Somewhat (laughs) agree. I don't know. I find it easy to work out what people are thinking or feeling just by looking at their facial expressions. I strongly agree. It's a curse. New social situations make me feel anxious. Mm, Disagree. It's important to me to carefully plan any activities I'm going to do. Disagree. I find it hard work to... I find it hard to work out what people's intentions are. Disagree. I would find it really hard to play imaginary games with children. You know what? That one I'm going to say agree. Slightly agree. Okay. I'm a good diplomat and can help ease difficult social or work situations. Strongly agree. I'm often the last person to understand a joke. (laughs) I'll make a joke if it's not there. I like doing things spontaneously. Yeah. If I'm interrupted doing something, I find it hard to get back to what I was doing beforehand. Ooh, somewhat agree. I notice patterns in things all the time. Strongly fucking agree. (laughs) I have some very strong interests and get upset if I can't pursue them. Somewhat agree. (laughs) Last one. I can tell if someone I'm talking to is getting bored. Very much agree. Okay. Moment of truth. Dun, dun, dun. You have the same score as most people do when completing this test and probably don't have an autistic spectrum disorder. Why, why are you making a disappointed face? <laughs> I thought you would have scored a little higher, to be honest. Uh, just, I, I just know how to read people. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find you locally? Uh, everything's branded at Adam J. Dominguez. Uh, so Adam J. Dominguez on Twitch, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook as a fan page. And then uh, if I'm coming through your, your town, uh, usually just let me know. and. Um, uh, always happy to meet new and uh, interesting fans uh, from from every aspect of my life. Shout out, nobody likes onions and the crew that haunted me at San Antonio a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're going back. Hey, do it again. <laughs> the funniest motherfucker in this place. Catch me outside, bitch. Once again, you can find him on all major platforms at Adam J. Dominguez. Don't forget, he has his Amazon special that will be available to stream on Amazon Prime under Laugh After Dark Season 3 later this year. Thanks again for tuning in to Local Landing. Be sure to check out our website, local-landing.com, and email us to set up interviews in your city. Until next time, locals. Bye.